Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Our young people this morning, from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, on the theme for this year's America for Christ offering that we received, I will go to the streets and invite. I'm not going to reread the passage since uh, it has already been read, but I do want to call your attention to it and back you up just a little bit in that chapter to the uh, 12th verse to get the tone for this particular uh, parable that Jesus gave us. And in the 12 verses and following, Jesus is talking to his disciples and others about preparing a supper as to who ought to be invited. And he's dealing with the subject of inviting people for the sake of having an invitation returned to you. You will realize that there are some of those things that we get involved in. Some of you may be disturbed by receiving a Christmas card from someone that you didn't send one to, and you will immediately run out and buy one and send to that person because you don't want to be found lacking in that you were given a card, you want to give one in return. And the same thing oftentimes is true of somebody being invited over for Sunday dinner, that there is apparently an obligation built in to return the invitation, and so we start in our own little circle of including only our group, uh, our family, our friends, and do not consider that there is an obligation on the part of the church and Christian people to reach out beyond our own little circle. And this is the very theme of the scripture that was read to us this morning. And uh, one of the people in the crowd that heard Jesus speak these words, responded in verse 15, when the last phrase of it, the King James says, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. This man was being caught up in the the attitude that Jesus was talking about. But let me read that same phrase from the Living Bible to help in its understanding. The man really was saying, what a privilege it will be to get to the kingdom of God. Jesus is then responding with the parable of describing probably who in fact is going to eat this meal in the kingdom of God. Who's really going to be there? So he says that a man prepared a great supper. And he sent out invitations. He sent his servant out to this person and that person as you saw it happen up here when Alan went around as the servant inviting various people to come to the banquet. It's very strange that all 
of the people initially invited to share in this banquet declined the invitation. Now, there was plenty of food. It was a prestigious event. It's as if the governor had put on a huge feast and invited his friends to come and every one of his friends turned him down. Uh, if the President of the United States did the same thing, you know, if he sent me an invitation to a meal at the White House, I would look under every rock in Turtle Creek to find enough money to go. And I would fuss and fret about what I was going to wear to be presentable. This is natural. It wouldn't enter my mind to automatically turn him down because I had a prior engagement. But that's what these people did. Everybody began to say, I can't come to the event of the year. I can't come. The first man said that he had a business function to take care of. He had a prior commitment. You know how to get out of commitments? Carry a little book. And somebody says, I would like for you to attend such and such a meeting. Just look in your little book. And all, I'm sorry, I would love to, but I have a prior commitment. That day, I have to be in Charleston. I just can't come. It's written in pencil. And if the president invited me, I could surely take out my eraser and I'd change that one. And I would call up whoever in Charleston asked me to attend a meeting and say, I'm sorry, but there's an urgent thing that has come up in Washington. The president invited me to come. You can understand, I won't be able to attend what you invited me to. Another man said, I just bought a new automobile. Oxen. He said, I'm sorry. I've got to go figure out how fast that thing will run. I can't come. Another man said, I just got married. I can't come. They all had their excuses as to why an invitation to the greatest banquets that they had ever been summoned to, they couldn't come. The servant comes back to the master. Fine looking master stood here this morning. Servant comes up to him. Says, I have sent out your invitation. Went out and invited everybody. Asked everybody and they all turned me down. The master becomes angry and he says to the servant, I want you to go out quickly 
Now his tone has changed. He initially said, go invite those to the meal. Now he says, go out quickly. And he says, go into the streets and the lanes and bring who? The poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, all of the unfortunates in the city. Go out there and find them and bring them. These are the marching orders of the church. We sometimes are so interested in what takes place inside these walls that we lose sight of the fact that our obligation is not to the people who are here. It's to the people who are not here that we should go. We are to be the servants going out to invite the undesirables, the poor, those in trouble, those who have problems, those who are ill, those in difficulty. To minister to that group of people is the responsibility of this body we call the church, who are the servants in the story. To go out and bring them. He didn't say go out and suggest they come. He didn't even stop with invite. He instructed us to exert our influence in bringing them with us into the feast. The servant does what he was bidden to do. And he comes back and reports the second time. And he says, I've done what you asked me to do and we still have room. All the chairs in the banquet are filled. And this time, this, the master even becomes more intense in his instructions to the servant. And he orders him this time, in verse 22, to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel. Now the instructions are even more intense. First it was invite, second it was bring, and now he says compel. Go further afield and insist, exert influence, promote with every fiber within you. But why is he so intent upon getting people to come? The answer is strictly stated in verse 23. And it's contained in the words, because I want my house to be full. You see, the Lord is not interested 
in people going to hell. As a matter of fact, the Lord wants people to be saved. And that's the responsibility that he gave to us, is to take the message to the uttermost parts of the earth. And in our offering this morning and our inference here, we are using this particular offering along with other American Baptist churches all the way across our country today to raise money that we might take the gospel into the inner cities, to the ghettos, to the Hispanic-speaking peoples who have never heard the gospel, to put chaplains in the armed services and preachers on college campuses where people can hear the gospel in our own country. To go to the Indian reservations, as Mary talked about, to go to the Alaskans, where there is need of effort to win those people to Christ, and we have uh, some missionaries in, in Alaska who are working there. We have missionaries on our Indian reservations winning those people to Christ. Go out into all the world and teach all nations whatsoever I have commanded you that my house might be full. On the outside of our building we have the words Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church. It might surprise you to know that all Baptists are not missionary minded. That's what our word on our church building says we are. We are mindful of the Great Commission to go and preach the gospel to all, all people. Back in the 1600s in England, where Baptists got their start, that's, we can't trace our history back to John the Baptist. I'm sorry, we just can't do that. It just won't, we don't have a chain to get back that far. He wasn't the first Baptist, as far as we're concerned. He was called the Baptist in that he baptized, not because he was a member of a Baptist church. They didn't have Baptist churches back then. Baptist churches didn't come into being until in the 1600s. And there were two strains of Baptists. There were a group called General Baptists. The General Baptists basically believed that salvation was available to all people in the whole world. Whosoever will may come. They preached and advocated that. There was another group of Baptists called Particular Baptists who believed that salvation was available only to the elect. There would be a, a few people saved. They didn't believe in evangelism, whatever. And there are still many churches uh, who do not have evangelistic campaigns try to reach the lost for Christ because they believe that if you're going to be saved, you will be saved, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. That's called predestination. And so there were Baptist churches in England who did not believe that it was the responsibility of the church to go into Africa or India or wherever. Uh, we just were not responsible for winning the lost to Christ. We are not particular Baptists. We are general Baptists in that we believe that salvation is available to all people. And that it is our responsibility to see to it that they hear the word. 
That's the kind of people we are. We're people who say that we do not stay within our own walls and, and look about Brother John his, and his wife. Uh, uh, dear Lord, bless me and my wife, Brother John and his wife, I swore no more. Amen. That's the theory and the theology of lots of people that we retain this gift of salvation within our own little group. And if anybody else gets it, they're going to have to get it on their own because we're sure not going to share with them. That's the attitude of some. We don't take that attitude. We say our obligation is to bring into the family of God every lost soul in the world. That was the commission that the Lord gave us. If we don't fulfill some portion of that commission, we better take the name off the front of the church and no longer call ourselves missionary. Because that's what it means. We are people who want to reach out to those who are lost. No longer, I think, can we be content with just thinking about our own program, our own worship, our own services here in this building. No longer can we think of going no further than in the hollows and the hills about us. No longer can we think only of dealing with, with the ladies and gentlemen in our community, but we must think about the poor and the maimed and the blind and the halt and the people in the highways and hedges all over our country. That's our area of ministry. Not just in Turtle Creek, but in the ghettos. Not just here in our church, but on the Indian reservations. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel. Do you realize that the communists, many of the communist leaders of the world, were educated in American schools? And we had the opportunity to preach to them the gospel and never got it to them. We could have changed the face of history had we been missionary minded enough to put preachers on all of our college campuses and we haven't done it. We have one at Marshall. We have one at West Virginia University. But many of the schools in the United States do not have a Christian influence upon them. I was in the North Parkersburg Baptist Church, and I've told you several stories because I've had some close connection with that tremendous Baptist Church in West Virginia at North Parkersburg that has grown from a small congregation of a hundred and some in attendance to about 1,100 this morning in attendance. They receive new members by baptism nearly every Sunday around the calendar. I know the pastor fairly well. I sat under his ministry for some time. He left, uh, he had gone over to Columbus, Ohio. He was pastor of the church over there, but he wasn't gone for about two years. And I had lost touch with him in that time, and when I had a chance to sit down with him at the church in North Parkersburg some weeks back at a meeting that I was attending, I asked him why he left that church in Columbus after only two years. It didn't seem right uh, to me, and knowing him, that he would do that. And he said, 
that church was restricting who I would minister to. That church wanted me to simply invite the elite, the people with money, the socialites of the community. They wouldn't let me go to the bums on the street, the derelicts, the people who really were down and out. They wouldn't let me minister to those. And he said, I just couldn't handle that kind of ministry. So he was at North Parkersburg, and when I was in that meeting, we were having a, a, some snacks, fairly extensive snack there. And I walked through that multi-million dollar building and through the dining hall, and there sat an absolute man of the street, a bomb in every description. He looked like what you imagine, a week's growth of stubble, an old toboggan on his head, an old ragged coat, shoes that had holes in them, the very picture of a bomb, sitting at the table eating. And I thought to myself, that's out of place. And then I remembered, no, it's not. That's the mission of the church. And that pastor had influenced that congregation that this bum from the street could sit down with us preachers in our fine suits and eat at the same table. He was perfectly in place. But that is the person to whom Jesus sent the church, those in need. We may not see sitting outside the doors of our church this morning this type of person. But I want to say to you that our ministry is beyond these walls. We're to minister to our own group. And we're family and we love each other. And I hope we never cease doing that. And wherever there is a need in this congregation, I hope we can meet it. And we want to do that. We all have our needs. Sometimes we have physical needs. We just don't have enough money to go around. And I, we as a family need to help in that category. Sometimes we have uh, spiritual needs. Sometimes we have health needs. And we certainly want to minister to each other. Don't think, I hope that you would never think that we as a church would ever turn you away when you have a need. If we can possibly know about it. But beyond our own congregation, we're going to have to look out onto these fields all around us. And what we can do is share with the church down the street, with the one in Danville, and the one in Madison, and the one of Dalpole, and the ones in Charleston, and the ones all over West Virginia, and all over the United States, who say that we believe that we are mission-minded, and that it is our job to go into the streets, into the highways, and into the hedges. And there invite, there bring, and there compel the lost of this world to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.